Hello there, this is Tom Switzer from the Centre for Independent Studies. I'm the Executive Director here at CIS. Well, what a year, 2020. We've had an economic crisis, which is a virus-induced recession, obviously a health crisis with the pandemic, then a cultural crisis with the relentless attacks on Western civilization, as well as a strategic crisis with the rise of China and an erratic America. Now, given the extraordinary circumstances, and since relief in a crisis is a proper role for government, it was understandable that the size and scope of the federal government would increase dramatically. Now, you'd think that we at CIS, a classical liberal think tank that champions free markets and small government, we'd be depressed about the prospects of higher levels of government. And you're right. Uh, Jonathan Friedland, writing in the Guardian newspaper in the UK, at the onset of the crisis, he quipped, quote, just as there are no atheists on a sinking ship, there are no free marketeers during a pandemic. <laughs> However, as we at CIS have made abundantly clear throughout the year, there should be no ideological validation from the radical emergency measures designed to save lives. After all, the recession, remember, is a result of the government policies to stop the spread of the virus. Now, one of our intellectual heroes, Milton Friedman, he used to say that nothing is so permanent as a temporary government program. As a result, we've been adamant that the large and massive expansion of the state in response to COVID-19 should represent a temporary state of affairs. So it seems like an appropriate way to introduce my friend and colleague, Professor Stephen Schwartz, a longtime fellow here at CIS and a former vice chancellor at several universities, including Macquarie University here in Sydney. Stephen has been the guest speaker at our Christmas evening events for many years. He's brilliant in so many ways. And with that, it's over to you, Stephen Schwartz. Thank you very much, Tom. Thank you for that introduction. It's more than I'm used to, and it's probably more than I deserve, but it's great to be here. And hello, Sydney. Greetings from the hermit kingdom of Western Australia. We have been marooned here since last Christmas, but we understand that if you behave yourself in what we love to call the Eastern States, on the 8th of December, the day, actually this very day, we will be allowed to leave. And I intend to come over there and see you all in person. Until then, it is my great honor today to announce the nominees and the winner of this year's very highly coveted Nanny State Award. The Center for Independent Studies created the nannies, as we like to call them, to highlight the government's most fatuous, farcical, and foolish attempts to mind your own private business. Now, I have to say, it's never been difficult to find worthy contenders for the nannies. Let me give you an example. One previous nominee, was a government-funded education program designed to teach people how to climb a ladder. For those of you who are curious, the recommended method is one step at a time, preferably wearing a helmet. Also nominated for a nanny in past years were the Bunbury City Council for its attempt to ban mermaids from its swimming pools, the New South Wales Police for trying to stop dancing at music festivals, 
and one of my very favorite nominees. This was a subsection of our vast federal bureaucracy, one that deals with cheese. Did you know the government, like Coles and Woolies, has a cheese section? Well, it does. And it decided to ban the import of Roquefort. Then it lifted the ban, and then it proposed to reinstate it again. Needless to say, all three decisions were based on the best of scientific advice. Alas, these zany nominees, these zany nannies, they belong to the past, to those innocent days before COVID-19. With the arrival of the pandemic, the nanny state has morphed from Mary Poppins to Joseph Stalin. Political leaders now rule by decree and their diktats involve every aspect of our lives. Now, don't get confused. Let me make myself clear. COVID-19 does call for difficult judgments to be made. Balancing the requirements of the economy and the health of the citizenry with limited and often conflicting information is a pretty tough task. So it's no surprise there are cock-ups. What is surprising is that despite having a pandemic to deal with, our political leaders still find time to concern themselves with what we drink, smoke, and eat, as well as what we wear and what sins we're allowed to commit. For example, one of the very first measures decreed by the Premier of Western Australia was a limit on the purchase of alcohol. Apparently, fighting COVID-19 requires an unprecedented level of public sobriety. Now, as always happens when limits are imposed, everyone went right out and bought as much booze as they could. Bottle shops wound up selling more alcohol than they did before. And alcohol wasn't the only target on the radar of our leaders. Early reports from China claiming that smokers were less likely to develop COVID than non-smokers caused great consternation among the health bureaucracy. After all, they've devoted years to stopping people from smoking. The last thing they wanted to hear is that smoking might actually have health benefits. Public health lobbyists disparage the idea that smoking may be helpful by pointing out that the data came from Chinese scientists and you know what they're like. But just to be sure that no positive outcomes were ever found, Australia has been careful not to conduct any research into the relationship between smoking and COVID-19. Now, having disposed of drinking and smoking, our leaders moved on to another long-term nanny state obsession, obesity. It seems that full-figured, plus-size, oh, well, let's just call them fat people, are more likely to perish from COVID-19 than more willowy ones. And this finding provided an excuse for the nanny state's long-held desire to control what we eat. In the new Stalinist dispensation, the police conferred upon themselves the power to decide which food items are essential, and which ones people could go without. 
Now, giving such broad discretion to the police led to some capricious decision-making because it depended on what a particular officer believes is worthwhile eating. One rather shocked Sydney mum was stopped and chastised by police for buying Easter eggs for her kids. Now, to provide consistency in decision-making, the government of Wales in the UK replaced the whims of individual police officers with an official list, a list detailing which items are not essential and therefore banned from sale during the pandemic. In addition to various foods, one of the forbidden items was clothing. In response, Christopher Noden, a 38-year-old father living in Newport, attempted to enter a local shopping center wearing nothing but his skimpy underpants. Security guards stopped him at the entrance, insisting that he was inappropriately attired for a shopping excursion. Noden argued that since the Welsh government officially deemed clothing to be non-essential, he didn't see why he had to wear any. Now, can we find equally absurd, bizarre, and ridiculous stories in Australia? Well, we're about to find out because I'm now going to introduce the finalists for the 2000 Nanny Awards. For third place, the judges have declared a tie between two candidates. Both reflect the nanny state's long-standing animosity toward alcohol. The first nominee is an American government committee which wants men to limit their consumption to one drink per day. The committee based its recommendation on the latest and best science, of course. This science relies on asking people how much they drink. Now, who would ever lie about that? The American Committee shares third place honors with the Royal Australasian College of Surgeons, which is campaigning to lower the alcohol blood limit for drivers to zero. An entirely vain campaign, I believe, given the alcohol consumption of most doctors. Illustrating the problem of leaving discretion entirely to police officers, second place in this year's Nanny Awards goes to the New South Wales Police, who issued a $1,000 fine to a man caught eating a kebab while sitting alone on a bench. When learning of this news, the Premier of Western Australia laughed and announced that sand gropers are free to eat kebabs while sitting alone on benches. Once again, it appears that the science of COVID protection varies across state borders. Now turning to the winner. The judges labored long and hard and had so many worthy nominees that choosing just one proved simply impossible. So they've chosen the whole lockdown experience, a state-by-state -state patchwork of rules, decrees, and regulations that have kept the country bemused, confused, and sometimes amused. Fortunately, salvation's on the way. Vaccines will soon be available. With luck, COVID will become just a bad memory and the nanny state can return to its traditional concerns. Instead of living in the middle of a Stephen King novel, we can return to Mary Poppins and once again, 
consider the proposition that a spoonful of sugar may be good for us after all. And so, of course, would a drink. So have one now for me, I'll have one for you, and Merry Christmas to all of you. Thanks. <laughs> Professor Stephen Schwartz, thank you so much. And thanks to all of you for tuning in. And if you'd like to hear more about the Centre for Independent Studies, just go to our website, cis.org.au, and follow the prompts to our research, to our events and other videos. And of course, you can always find out how to support CIS. I'm Tom Switzer from CIS. Thanks so much for tuning in, and I hope you can tune in again next time. <music>